Hey fam, you know we go to a lot of conferences, right? We talk about them on this podcast a lot. All the time. Yes. Well, we have a special conference to talk about today to everyone listening, and that is Dribble's Hang Time. It's a one-day design conference happening on June 6 in New York at the Manhattan Center Hammerstein Ballroom. And we have a very special code that Dribble have given us to give to our listeners, which is exciting. Yeah. Yeah, totally. If you're listening to this and interested in going to this conference, then you can go to dribble.com slash hangtimes slash 2019. That's 2019. And if you buy a ticket from there and enter the discount code design life, you'll get $100 off your conference ticket. Woot woot. Uh, you have to do that before Friday, May 31st in order to use that discount as well. It looks like it's going to be an amazing conference, to be honest. Um, who are some of the speakers? We've got David Carson. He was always one of my like idols in university. Alice Lee, amazing illustrator. Oh my gosh. Love to hear her talk. Yes. Cat yep. Noon. Yep, Cat Noon. All these amazing people. This is definitely a conference I'd be going to myself if uh, my work conference wasn't also <laughs> on the same day. So yeah, check it out dribble.com slash hangtime slash 2019. It's also in the show notes as a link if you just would prefer to click it. Use that discount code and full clarity, we also will get an affiliate commission if you do choose to go along. But we highly stand behind Dribble as a company and what they do. So go on and check it out. Yeah, awesome. Don't miss out. Welcome to Design Life, a podcast about design and side projects for motivated creators. I'm one of your hosts, Femke. And I am your other host, Charlie. Today's episode comes by way of something that I heard in a talk at How Design Live, which is a conference I was at, well, a couple of weeks ago now, I guess, by the time this episode comes out. It happened in Chicago. I was speaking at it. I gave a talk about being an in-house designer and how to be successful at that. And, uh... While I was there, I attended a couple of talks. One of them was by Stephen Gates, who is, I think his title is like design evangelist, one of those ones at Envision. Fancy. Um, Yeah, but he gave a really great talk all about like just being a creative, um, standing out. But there was one part of his talk that really stood out to me where he said, every creative feels broken inside. And I was like, whoa, where are we going with this? This sounds interesting. Yeah, please tell me more. Um, and then, so the note I have written down about this that I like, you know, quickly jotted down on my phone as he was talking says, our manufactured reality is killing our industry. Everyone online is smart and all work on Dribble is great, but the energy it takes to lie about how we're doing and hide it from everyone and from ourselves is exhausting. And that we're comparing our insides to everyone else's outsides. That was like, you know, not not verbatim exactly what he said, but this is the, the notes that I wrote down based on what he was saying. And we thought we'd talk about it in today's episode because I think this is an issue that creatives are facing and it'd be good to chat about. But first of him, how how's life? How's things going? Life is good. Yeah, I'm trying to think what I've been up to. Uh, I Okay, I've been going through... Mm, I don't want to call it a quarter life crisis, but I've been going through changes and I recently, I don't know, something about turning 27, just like I've always had things on my list that I've like wanted to do. Like one day I'm going to like dye my hair blonde and like one day I want to get my nose pierced and I just had like not really been putting it off, but just not really doing it for a long time. And I don't know, I turned 27 and I was like, screw it. Like I'm almost 30. If I'm ever going to experiment and like do these crazy wild things that I've been thinking about 
now's the time. So yeah, I recently dyed my hair, which for me is like so weird. I've never dyed my hair before. And now every time I look in the mirror, I'm like, oh my gosh, is that me? <laughs> it's it's so weird. Um, and then I also got my nose pierced and yeah, I don't know. Like my boyfriend Owen is like, is everything okay? Like you're changing your appearance. <laughs> like what's going on? And I don't know. I think for me, I'm just entering like a new chapter and just, I don't know. I, I just feel like I have a lot of energy and excitement and I'm more sort of like open to being experimental, which I know might sound weird, but I don't know. It's kind of refreshing to like just have a new thing and have a, have a bit of a change. So I don't know. I started with my appearance, I guess, and we'll see if that the sort of transitions into any other parts of my life. <laughs> tattoo next. When I showed my mum my nose piercing, she was like, OMG, are you getting a tattoo? <laughs> like that was like her <laughs> response. Like, is that, is that what's, what's coming next? No, I, I'm not planning to now, but who knows? Yeah. So I don't know what it is or what sort of brought this on, but it's just something that I've been going through lately and I'm actually feeling really good about myself, Yay. which is nice. You know, it makes me feel good. So, yeah. That is good. And it's really interesting to hear you talking about this and you, how you haven't, you know, dyed your hair before this. I think it was when I was 26 or 27 that I started dyeing my hair crazy colors. Weird. I think that's the first time that I went purple was maybe like four years Around ago that age, when I was 26. Yeah. yeah. Four, three or four years ago because I'm 30 now so I don't know maybe it is just a thing we go through at that age I don't know I found anyway in my late 20s that's when I found myself really becoming me and like being comfortable in my own skin being comfortable expressing myself how I wanted to making changes to my, my appearance that I wanted to and just feeling more free with that and less like worried about oh what will people think or yeah you know so I don't know yeah. Maybe that's what you're going through too. Maybe. And, you know, to be honest, like I grew up going to like a private Catholic girls school and, you know, we weren't allowed to have long hair. Like your hair had to be tied up. You had to have certain kind of earrings. You weren't allowed to wear makeup, you know, and I kind of grew up in this institutionalized way of how you could express yourself and your appearance. And I kind of naturally carried that on after school because I didn't know anything else or I didn't know any better. And I think I now just have gotten to the age where I'm like, you know, screw that. I'm now like ready to explore and experiment and find out who I really am on the outside, so to speak, which I guess most people go through that when they're like 16. But for me, I'm just <laughs> experiencing a decade later, which is fine. I think it's absolutely fine. I think it's wonderful. <laughs> and your hair looks great too. I saw it on your Instagram. Thank you. Thank you. Super cute. Yeah. So not much like side project updates. Um, I've really been focusing on me lately, which has kind of been nice. Yeah, that is nice. Tell us about you. Cause I know you spoke at the conference, which congrats. It looks like it went really well. It did go well. I feel like I could have done my talk better, but I always feel like that. Um, there was like a couple of moments in it when I didn't quite land the point exactly how I wanted to and how I'd practiced, you know, just on the day it didn't go quite so well. But there were plenty more moments in the talk where I felt like I'm like, oh, I've got this audience like right where I want them. Oh, yeah. Right in the bum of your hand. Yeah, nice. I made this joke about... Um, showing my team a wireframe and then the comment that came back was eh, I don't really like the shade of gray it seems a bit sad that joke just so landed so well the way I did the timing and like what I had on screen to like present Perfect. that yeah it was that part was really fun it gives you a good buzz right in the middle of your talk and you're like oh yeah I'm on a roll <laughs> yeah such a high yeah when you like have this idea for a joke and you're like is this funny I don't know if this is actually funny um, and then you make it and people laugh. It's just, it's the best feeling. So yeah, 
most of the talk went really great. Afterwards, there was a long line of people who wanted to come and speak to me and um, not all of them had watched my videos before. Like I assumed those would be the only people who'd be interested in like me as a person, you know what I mean? But I think I got, um, you know, a bunch of new viewers out of this too. New people were introduced to me through this talk, which was fun. Uh, and then I also had a meetup during the conference, which was cool. I thought people have said like, oh, when you come to Chicago, let me know. I'd love to hang out. And I thought it'd be great to like offer people to come if they wanted to, to hang out at a certain time. Saves me trying to like make plans with people, totally. especially like strangers who you've never met before and not talked too much. I don't really like to make plans one-on-one -on -one like that. So I said, I'm going to be at the hotel bar at this time tonight. I didn't say an end time because I figured that it would give me an out. Like if I could be like, oh, I gotta go, you know, <laughs> if I wasn't feeling <laughs> so it. strategic. Yep. Well, you got to think about these things when you're an introvert, Femke. Yes. Um, so I sat there, turned up and um, people just started coming in. It was great. I think there was 10 other women there. That is so awesome. At the main, like the high point. So it was amazing. Yeah. Um, all women, which was cool because I do feel like I have a lot of male viewers, I think just because of the tech industry in general kind of skews that way, unfortunately. So it was super exciting to me to have, um, get to meet these 10 women, get to hear about what they do as designers and you know, what, what they're going through at the moment, what they're excited about. It was super fun meetup, ended up staying there for like three and a half hours, something like that. So yeah, went great. That is so cool. Unfortunately got back from Chicago and the jet lag hit and wasn't feeling too hot at the start of this week, but I feel like I'm back on the up now and getting back into the swing of projects and things. Yeah. Is your talk going to be online later? I don't think it will be online for the public, unfortunately, but it is a talk that I would like to do at other conferences in the future. I think it is a super valuable one, if I do say so myself. Mm -hmm. Other people said that as well. It's not just me saying that. And even afterwards, um, someone who came to my meetup said, oh, I already put one of your pieces of advice into action. Wow. It was a piece of advice about feedback and how you shouldn't ask people, what do you think? And you shouldn't set a specific question. She'd, she'd done that with one of her teammates that she'd sent a piece of work to and was like, whoa, it was amazing. Like, you know, I got the so much better value from it just from using that. And so, yes, would love to give that talk again. Conferences, if you're listening, hit me up. <laughs> hit you up yeah it sounds like such a good talk i i hope that one day i get to hear it yep yeah one day one day i'm sure maybe i can just <laughs> present it to my video camera <laughs> if no other conference wants to hire me to speak at it <laughs> anyway speaking of conferences shall we get into today's topic yeah of this talk by stephen gates um how do you feel when because i shared this topic with you before we got started, you asked me if there was anything in particular that came out during the conference that I'd want to talk about. How did you feel about that line that every creative feels broken inside? Yeah, it's a very strong statement. And I initially, like my initial gut reaction was, that's not true. You know, like initially you're like, no, I'm not broken. You know, I think that's like an immediate defense kind of reaction to that statement. Like, what, what does that really mean? I don't feel that way. But then kind of the more I, I thought about it and, and read what you sent me, I was like, oh, that is actually very interesting and I can relate with this in some way. I wouldn't say that I feel broken all the time, but I do agree that we definitely go through these pits and troughs of, you know, not feeling super great and not having much energy or enthusiasm or passion for the work we do, which, you know, on the outside we're always 
hit with these messages of like, got to be passionate about what you do and like always being super enthusiastic. And, you know, some days I'm just not right. Like some days I, I don't have that creative energy and I am feeling a bit, you know, more towards the broken side and not feeling super motivated or inspired or, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like I have that energy to create good work. So yeah, that was kind of my initial reaction to, to the statement. And then, so when you're in those moments, when you're feeling unmotivated and like, I don't know, you can't, or you're not doing good work, do you still project that you are fine <laughs> and that you are still doing great? Of you know? course, think, Charlie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wish I could like say that I don't, but of, of course I still project that image because you want everyone to think that everyone's, that everything's fine. Right. And you don't want to put forward this like negativity. It's interesting. I've never really thought this deep about it, but you know, we put all this great work online and this sort of great version, this perfect version of ourselves online because it makes us look good. Um, but we don't really take the time to think about how that makes other people feel, I guess. Right. And, and that might make other people feel not so great about themselves or feel like they're not doing well enough or that they need to, to work harder or that their, their work is never going to be as good. Um, and so that's, that's interesting too. Like now I'm thinking, okay, how can I celebrate my work or celebrate my successes in, in the public realm or in the design community, let's say, um, without making other people feel that way? Like, how can I share that joy in a way that encourages and motivates other people as opposed to bringing them down? Yeah, and it's hard because, like, we are not responsible for other people's feelings at the same time, right? Like, right. I don't know. If you're feeling really excited and happy about something and wanting to share it, I absolutely think you should do that. I think the problem lies in when when we're not feeling so hot and when we're really feeling beaten down, like maybe like three clients in a row of rejected work or whatever. And we're just feeling like, Oh, can I even do this? We don't talk about those parts of it because it's just not like in quote unquote, a good look, right. To be sharing that stuff. And so that means that, yeah, what, what Stephen talks about this manufactured reality that's killing our industry is that we're only tweeting the things that are smart. We're only posting work on Dribble that we think looks good. And, um, you know, we're only sharing the highlights. And that's when, when he says we're comparing our insides to everyone else's outsides. That was a key point for me in that you know everything that's going on with you. You only know what people, other people are projecting on the outside and what they're saying. Um, so even though their career, their design career looks like it's shit hot and everything's coming up aces for them, you know, you don't really know what else they're going through. And I don't know if the solution to that is that we should all just put our shit out there <laughs> or if we just need to keep this in mind when we're viewing the Internet. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's kind of about being vulnerable as well, I think. And I don't know, you know, sometimes I, I've had moments where I wanted to share, you know, online about something that maybe wasn't going so well or a struggle I was having with a project or something. But to be honest, the, the, the number one thing that often keeps me back is that my colleagues follow me online, right? Yeah, that's important to remember. And I think that's also another factor is, you know, what I say, anything I post online, they have open 
opportunity to to consume. And so I think we have to keep that a little bit in mind as well. So for me, I'm often very careful with what I would share on there. I'm not going to go and start shit talking about having a bad time at work, for example, right? But yeah, I guess it's about finding this balance and finding a way to sort of be open and be vulnerable, but also sort of maintain profession, you know, being professional. Yeah. And that's hard. So recently, um, just on, I think it was on Tuesday this week, I did this tweet thread about basically saying like, hey, there's something big happening in life at the moment, which means I'm having to put everything else on hold pretty much because I've got like these prior commitments that mean I'm already, my bucket is already full. Mm -hmm. And so I'm being selfish, just letting you all know, I'm not going to be responding to emails and DMs and messages asking for advice for the next two months, like while I sort this all out. I wanted to put it out there just so I felt better and less guilty about just ignoring things. Yeah, I get it. Because even though, I mean, I still feel guilty when I look at my inbox every morning and there's another, like, you know, someone telling me their life story, which I'm amazed and, like, so honored that they trust me to do that. But at the same time, it's a lot of emotional burden on me to, like, read through it all, to process it, to give the advice. And that's just not, like, something I have the emotional capacity for at the moment. So basically I felt like putting it out there, then I could be like, well, I told everyone, so it's not my fault if they still message me and, you know, I don't know, feel like I gave my excuse. Anyway, I had three separate workmates and a couple of other people reach out to me privately being like, hey, just saw your tweet, is everything okay? Like anything I can do to help, which is lovely. But at the same time, with my workmates in particular, I also felt like, oh, I don't want them to feel like I can't do my job. I don't want them to feel like I'm not handling this. Right. Like they can't trust me, especially because, you know, I'm kind of, I'm asking for a promotion at the moment. And so I don't want them to, I don't know, have any reason at all to think that I can't do this. Any doubt. Yes. Don't want to put doubts in their mind. And so, I don't know, I kind of felt a bit embarrassed, maybe is the right word about what I was putting on social media, even though I wasn't really sharing that much, right? What I was sharing was like the very tippity tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Um, And even that I felt embarrassed by. It's scary. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you think that if it wasn't for seeing Stephen's talk, would you have shared that? Like, did did that encourage you to do that? Um, Yeah, because that's just the kind of person that I am. (laughs) Okay, so you would have done that anyway. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. My motivation for sharing it, like I think, like I was trying to say anyway, was, wasn't, Hey, I just want to be vulnerable for a second. It was more, Hey, I want to make an excuse for a second. (laughs) Every now and then I have flashes of like, I want to be vulnerable second, but then I always feel like, I don't know. I do feel a bit embarrassed afterwards when people reach out and I'm, when I'm feeling better perhaps. And I'm like, Oh, was I being a bit dramatic? Like I probably didn't need to say that, you know, that's where my brain goes. I'm more resonated with Steven's talk because of the, the way he put it. Yeah, I think he just explained it really well, this thing that I was already feeling of comparing everything I'm like going on within me to what I see everyone else and everyone else seems like they've just got it so together. So yeah, I just really liked the way that he described it. What do you think he means by our manufactured reality is killing our industry? Like killing it how? Like do you think it's causing us to be less creative or less like what what do you think that means? I wish that I had downloaded his slides before we got on this podcast because he did go into more detail about this. And I think if I'm remembering correctly, it was about like experimenting and trying new things and how not everything can be a winner and not everything can be great. And that when we only show 
the great stuff and we only show like the clients we won and not talk about ones we lost or I don't know share the failures as well as the successes Mm -hmm. that's when people who are new to the industry have this expectation of yep have this expectation and success yeah yep and they feel like they're not doing it right and also it makes all of us more afraid to take risks and to try something new that might possibly fail yeah that's why, why I think what he meant by killing our industry, that creativity as a whole is going down because, like, you know, all portfolios are looking the same and stuff like that. I think in his talk he mentioned, um, I think it was his talk anyway, not a different one at the conference, that he wishes he could find the person who told people it was a good idea to put a graph on your resume for your, like, aptitude with different design software. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm 82% good at Sketch. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What does that mean? Yeah, but just in general that everything's being homogenized and, you know, we, we're seeing the one right way to do things and um, that that's, yeah, killing our industry and, and our creativity. Yeah, it's so interesting. Uh, I also saw a tweet recently from Dan Petty who he recently had a premiere for, for a project he did and in his tweet he was talking about how, like, he did everything on his own. Like he painted a mural, he edit, he, you know, video edited all the footage. And he was like, I'm not a mural artist. I'm not a video editor. I'm a designer. Um, and the fact, you know, he was basically showing that you can do anything, right? Like you don't have to put yourself in this box. That kind of resonates with me in this topic as well. A little bit of like, all the, the amazing work we put out there makes it seem like we have to be a complete expert in everything and only focus on one thing and one niche. And we've talked about that a lot on the show in general, and I still do believe in a lot of that. But I think also it's still important to be open to trying other things, like trying other mediums and putting yourself in vulnerable positions and doing something just because it's fun and not because it has to be your like number one portfolio piece big you know, on your website. I, I want to try and embrace that spirit a bit more over the next couple of years. I think as a designer is like, how can I use my skills and my passion in other mediums, I guess, or other art forms? Yeah, I, I think that maybe as well, seeing how good everyone is at everything can put you off trying to pick up a new skill if it's not something that you feel yeah strongly would be your next thing. You know what I mean? Like, I would be super motivated if I decided I wanted to get back into print design, for example. I would spend all of my time, like, learning that, practicing that, getting print samples, whatever, and, and like, honing that skill. But because that's... You don't have to do it that way, right? Yes. And also... You don't have to want a skill to be your main skill in order to want to pick it up. Like right now, something that I'm really wanting to get better at is illustration. But I'm finding it really hard to get motivated to do it because I feel like I'm bad at it because I am not great at it because it's not something a skill that I've honed and practiced over the years compared to everything else that I do, right? And because I don't feel like I'm good at it, I find myself just not working on it. Like, it's not fun for me because I'm not good at it. Mm-hmm. And because I feel like, oh, I can't do this, even though I haven't put in the months, the years possibly of trying and of like trying to match up to the people that I'm admiring online and wondering why my work doesn't look that good. Right. Yeah. And it's like the perfectionist thing as well. I think, you know, we, I struggle with this a lot all the time, like wanting to be, you know, have everything perfect and do everything 100%. And I'm only going to share something if I like, 
know that it's perfect. I think we, we put that on ourselves because everyone else is sharing their perfect stuff and it looks all perfect. And we have no idea how many iterations they went through, the ups and downs, the shitty ideas that they tossed away, uh, the whole you know process of how they got to that end result. Like we have no idea, right? We just assume that they made this thing and it all was perfect. Uh, but there's so much that we don't know, which we don't talk about and we don't share and we don't talk about how that makes us feel either. And yeah, I think there's a lot that the community could benefit from if we were more open about sharing that stuff. But like, and we've talked about this before, I can't remember what episode, but I I definitely remember talking about sharing unfinished work. Maybe that was the title of the episode actually might've just come to me, but the hard part is like, who wants to look at the shitty stuff on Dribbble or like, you know, who wants to see every single iteration? Yeah. Maybe some people, if you're still learning and you're like trying to figure out a process that's useful, but for you and I, who already have a design process, who already know what a design design process, I don't really want to see every single little tweak that someone made to their work. What I want to know more is how they learned and, you know, what they took from that. Like, I don't just want to see it. I guess I want to hear about it more. Maybe when we're sharing our finished work, it's not a case of, of sharing the bad stuff too, quote unquote bad stuff, because it might not be that bad. But maybe it's talking about things that we tried and that didn't work out, even if we're not showing them, even if we wanted to keep our feeds looking beautiful, because I mean, the reality is if we are looking for jobs, if we are looking for clients, you do want to show your good work, right? Because you want to be putting your best foot forward and you want to be showing the type of quality of work they can expect if they hire you. But I think there's more we can do in sharing the process that could really help with this. Well, yeah, there's like a way of, you can position how you share the process, right? Like you can position sharing the process as, uh, you know, a journey, like how I got to this end result, uh, or you could position it as like, these are all the bad ideas I had, which maybe isn't the best route <laughs> of, of positioning, but I think it's up to us as well, like how we want to share that information. Yeah, yeah, I think you're totally right about that. What about the line in Stephen's quote that I read out at the start? The energy it takes to lie about how we're doing and hide it from everyone and for ourselves is exhausting. Do you sometimes feel like you're lying about how you're doing and hiding it from people? I don't feel like I'm lying. I just don't say it. Okay, so like someone says, hey, Fem, how are you doing? Aren't you going to be like, yeah, fine. Great, thanks. Yeah. Like that's a lie, right? If you're not actually doing fine. Yeah, I guess I guess you're right. Uh, but if we're talking about like publicly like public projections like what I project out in terms of how I'm doing and how I'm feeling um I don't often get that personal online right right interesting if that makes sense which maybe that's the problem right is that I, is that I I'm because I'm not being personal and then people assume that I'm amazing I don't know Maybe I'm part of the problem. What is your reason for for not wanting to get personal online? Because, I mean, and I want to preface this by saying, I don't think it's something everyone has to do, but I'm just curious for, like, where you put that separation. I just don't think people will find it interesting. I don't know. It just doesn't feel relevant. Like, why would these 6,000 strangers on Twitter that follow me care about how I'm feeling today? I don't know. But don't you care if you see how someone else is feeling? I do. I do. Yeah. So see, this is like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I do care. Like when you put your tweet out, I really cared, you know, because I care about you and, and it, yeah, 
I respect that you share that, you know, because that's something that I wouldn't do, for example, if it were me. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why I don't do that. Like, I think for me, there's definitely a opportunity and maybe a challenge for myself to be more vulnerable on online in that sense and be more personal and talk about how I'm feeling. Uh, and I just, I think I'm just afraid of the repercussions if I do that. Yeah. What, what do you think? the repercussions would be like what what are you afraid of does the thought of like my story I was sharing about workmates reaching out and being like hey you okay is there anything I can do is that like does that make you cringe uh yeah (laughs) also because like similar to what you were talking about uh and I think this comes a bit down to being a woman as well working mostly with men is that I want to give the perception that like of, of not raising any doubt that I'm struggling, right? Like I want to maintain this perception that I can handle it, you know, I'm all good, I can put my emotions aside, you know, things like that, uh, which I'm not saying is the right thing to do, but it's just how I feel, I guess, or, or what I think I'm supposed to do in order to to succeed and be seen, uh, you know, on an equal playing field with my male peers. So yeah, I, I guess I'm just afraid a little bit of repercussions from work, not necessarily like the particular workplace I'm at, but just in general. Uh, and yeah, I don't know, I guess also like from the design community a little bit maybe, but I don't know why I think that because if I think about what I value, I really value designers who are super vulnerable and open. So I don't know why I think that if I did that, people wouldn't respect it. Yeah, and I think maybe that's like that's more the reason why I feel comfortable sharing things online. More you asked me before if it was Stephen's talk that that did this, but for me it's more a lot of the other women I follow online who do share these sorts of things. I value it when I see it because I'm like, oh, someone else who doesn't have all their shit together. <laughs> oh, great! You know, I'm not the only one. Yeah. And so I remember that feeling, and that that's what makes me feel okay with sharing things is knowing that my respect for that designer did not change, like did not go down. If anything, it went up right. when I, when I saw them talking about that. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I should remember that. I am a bit afraid of, uh, like I saw that you like followed up with your tweet of like, I don't need time management advice yes. or something. Yes. I'm afraid yeah. of that too, of like people coming back at me trying to like help me or trying to help fix it when like I don't want your help and I don't need you to try and fix it I'm just expressing how I'm feeling uh so I'm a bit afraid of that as well of like people then flooding my dms with like you know unsolicited advice yeah I mean totally get that totally understand that the reason why I added that addendum to my twitter thread and for anyone who didn't read it I basically followed up after my explanation of like what I'm doing why I'm like overwhelmed at the moment and how I'm not going to be responding to messages. I immediately got someone giving advice being like, Oh, have you tried batch filming videos? Like maybe that could work. And I'm like, "Uh, yeah, no way. Never thought of that before. (laughs) Been doing YouTube for five and a half years. Never thought about filming more than one video at once. I know they were trying to help though. So I shouldn't be mean, but yeah, I did follow it up saying this is not a call for advice. Not looking for time management tips here. Yeah. I've already, you know, considered all the possible. (laughs) Yep. And I I said that when you give me advice after I say that I'm struggling, it makes it me feel like you're saying I should be able to handle it all. Like, oh, if you just do this, you'll be fine. Like, what are you complaining about? Sort of thing. That's how advice can feel to us sometimes. 
And I think that that's tricky because, I mean, we talk about it on the show a lot about providing value to people, right? With the content we publish online. But I think that we have to remember that we're humans first and foremost. And so not every single thing we put on the internet has to be this like great golden nugget value bomb, you know? Sometimes we can just be a person talking about something that's happening in our lives and maybe it doesn't, the aim of it isn't to provide value for someone. And the same with our interactions with people. We don't have to be trying to help someone or trying to give advice, trying to give value every time we interact with someone online. Sometimes you can just like give a little like of support. Sometimes you can just say, yep, cool, here for you. You got this, keep going. You know, that can be the, the help if you wanna, if you really wanna help, that's what can really help sometimes. You don't need to always be stepping in to save the day is what I'm saying. Yeah, totally, I totally agree. But I mean, that is a valid fear because it does happen. And I think that can put a lot of people off is um, like, you don't wanna share the whole context, right? Which means that people aren't gonna understand everything and then you're gonna get frustrated when they try help and you're like, wow, but I've already thought of that. You don't, you don't get me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't want that. I don't think that should stop you from sharing. Like maybe adding an addendum like I did could help. Being like, not looking for advice on this. Well, like this is rhetorical, you know. Um, and then if people do respond with it, at least you want them and you can mute them or whatever if you want. <laughs> Yes, the power of Twitter. Yes, the power of Twitter. Awesome. Well, I mean, I feel like this episode maybe didn't have a point. <laughs> didn't, doesn't have a great big moral at the end. But I hope that people listening just enjoyed listening to us talk about this. Yeah. Maybe you feel like you can relate uh, or, or maybe not. I don't know. Uh, let us know. I guess my main takeaway that I'd want someone to have from this episode is to not be afraid to be a human being on the internet, to not worry about being a design professional 100% of the time, because what that means can, can really differ. And you can be a professional while also being truthful to yourself and, and about how you're going. So yeah, I guess that would be what I'd say. I think that's great advice. And I don't know if Stephen's talk is ever going to be online or if he's done it elsewhere, but if we manage to find it on the internet, we'll link it in the show notes so you can go and take a watch. Yes, I will try and find those slides. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Okay, where can people go to listen to more episodes? You can head to designlife.fm. That is our website. You'll find episodes there. Also, just open up your podcast app, type in Design Life and look for our purple icon. You can also follow us on Twitter. We are at Design Life FM and you can tweet us there any questions that you have or any topic ideas. We always love hearing from you what you'd like us to discuss on the show. Yeah, definitely. All right, fam. Good talk. All right. Catch you in the next episode. Yep. Have a good day. Bye. Bye.